Where else do you go to church and see a white German boy rap? <laughs> Aren't you glad, glad you're at K2? <laughs> yeah, I'm rethinking the whole thing. <laughs> Yikes. Well, um, the PSA 2000, just so that you know, it is right here. And um, I don't know how many boxes we have available, but um, they'll be at the info booth as you go out. Just, I just want to give you a few more um, of these ad libs. Uh, you know, on a Sunday morning, it gives you things to say like, oh, your Sunday attire is very nice. Are you a Christian like me? You know, that kind of thing. Um, and then acceptable Christian behavior is, you know, a pat on the back or the, the side shoulder hug, you know. Um, or another greeting, how is the Lord blessing you today? The sun is shining and so is Jesus. So very, very helpful, um, very helpful, um, the PSA 2000. Is that hilarious? Oh, I love it. A personal, wow, this is really not sounding good. Do I need to move somewhere else? No? Okay. Ooh. And that's, that's when you go from a rap to a sermon. It's a little challenging. Um, yeah, Walking Alone is is the title for um, the talk this morning. And you might wonder, what's, what's up with walking alone? Don't we always talk about, you know, doing life together, being in a, um, in a life together group and join a small group? And, and we, we constantly talk about community here, don't we? And so this morning, talk about walking alone. Well, we're not really talking about walking completely alone. What we want to look at this morning is about your walk, just you and Jesus, just you and God, your relationship with God, um, and how we can, can develop that. How do we walk with God? And I found a great Bible verse uh, in Genesis 5.21. Genesis chapter 5 is all about genealogies, who had whom and how many children and when and how old they were. And then in the middle of that, in Genesis 5.21 to 24, we hear about a guy called Enoch. And this is what it says about Enoch. It says, Enoch lived 60 and 5 years, so that makes 65, and begat Methuselah. So he had a son when he was 65. Good for him. I'm done. Um, and I'm 35, and I can't handle it. I don't know how he did it, but... Well, I do, but anyway, I'm a different topic. And um, so... And then it says, in verse 22, And Enoch walked with God... And it goes on, uh, verse 23, And all of the days of Enoch were 365 years. That's old. And then again, in verse 24, it sums up Enoch's life. And it says this, And Enoch walked with God. What a summary for someone's life. Enoch walked with God. So how do we walk with God? How does that work? What does it look like? I want to tell you a story this morning to illustrate this. And it's a story of my wife and I, Sandrine, the beautiful French lady that walks around here with that incredibly sexy accent. Um, that's my wife. And, uh, you know, when in our marriage, there is, there is times where it's good and appropriate, where we are with other people, and we love entertaining, we love having people over. But, you know, if our marriage was defined by spending, always spending time with other people, always being in community, our marriage wouldn't be what it is supposed to be. 
in marriage, it's extremely important, and those of you that are married know that, um, to have that time alone. And not even in marriage, or not only marriage, also in, in friendships. It's time, important to have time sometimes just you and that other person. Because you can go to a complete different level of, of friendship and of intimacy when you're by yourselves. And if we were to spend very little or no time together, our marriage wouldn't be what it's supposed to be. Our friendships wouldn't be what they are supposed to be. It's vital that we have alone time together. And at least in our marriage, the amount of alone time that we spend together has a great effect on the rest of our marriage life, the family life. Um, and just, just the other day, we've had lots of guests here over the last couple of weeks, and I told her, honey, we, phew, we need some time together. I feel like we've disconnected, and so we try and make those times. And I think that the same principle, and even more so, and even more importantly so, is true for our relationship with God as followers of Jesus. And that's what I would like to discuss with you this morning. How, how does that relationship look like? How do we re- develop that relationship, and how do we draw closer to God as a person Aside from coming here on Sunday morning, how do you personally develop your relationship with Jesus and with the Father on your own? Why is it important and, and what are the benefits? So I want to take you a little further in, uh, or a little back in um, my history with my wife. We met at a, at a Bible college in Paris, France. I mean... Our first date was on the Champs-Élysées. Yeah, that's how you say it. Not Champs-Élysées. It's the Champs-Élysées. It just kind of rolls off your tongue. And um, those of you that are on the crash, that are members of church, I've told this story before, but I've got to tell you again how, um, how I got to be so attracted to her. Um, we were at a Bible school there outside of Paris, and it was an old mid- medieval castle that the school was in. And my room overlooked the front lawn of the castle and the front gate and so one evening, I'm, I'm looking out the window. I was kind of homesick. I didn't really like friends. And um, I see a young lady with long, curly, wavy hair on her bike riding away from me off campus. And you know what you see of a person when they're on a bike and riding away from you? The hair. Yeah. I don't know what you were thinking about, but immediately I was very, very attracted to that woman and thought, you know what, I, uh, tomorrow I'll, I should look at the front. And of that girl, and, and I did, and um, it's true, it's true. Is she here? She's probably incredibly embarrassed. Um, so I started to, to pursue her, not solely on that superficial physical attraction. Um, I discovered all kinds of good things inside, but um, I started pursuing her. She wasn't really all that interested at first. Crazy, isn't it? I, I don't get it, but, but she wasn't, and... Um, but I was pretty, um, yeah, persistent and, and kept going after her. And, you know, the main thing on my mind at the time was, man, I just, I just want her to know me. Because she had this, this upfront picture of me, and I can be pretty obnoxious and loud and cocky, and, at least back then. And um, all I really wanted is for her to have a chance to really get to know me and then see what that... Would least do. And so she started you know, noticing that I was after her, and she started talking to other people about me and, and so on. But she gave me a, a chance. And um, you know, even today, people ask her, how do you live with that guy? You know? And 
she probably says two things to that. The first thing is, well, it's not easy. <laughs> but the second thing that she will probably say is, you know, I know him. I, I see beyond that facade that you see. I really know him. And apparently, there's something lovable there. But she knows me. And when, when I pursued her, I wasn't really thinking about, man, all the things that she could do for me, you know, if she was only my girlfriend. All I was thinking is, I want her to know how much I'm in love with her and how much affection I have for her. And I found a great Bible verse in Hosea 6.6 6 that says the same thing about what God wants from us. In Hosea 6.6, 6, this is a, a prophecy. This is a prophet speaking for God to the people. And he says, I want you, I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me, God, more than I want burnt offerings. And so God says to his people, more than your sacrifices, I want your love. And more than anything else that you do, I want you to know me. The message, which is a modern transliteration of Scripture, put it this way. I want you to know God. I want you to know me, not go to more prayer meetings. So what this Bible verse is saying is, it's not about what you do. God isn't into checklists and a perfect Sunday morning attendance, even though it's great for you to be here on Sunday morning. But that's not it. God wants you, it says, I want you to know me. I want you to know me because he knows if you really give him a chance and get to know him, the love that you will encounter will change your life and you won't be able but to love him back. He just wants you to know him. So how, how do we know? How can we know God? I haven't touched him. I haven't really seen him. I don't know about you. How do we know God? How is he making himself known? Where do we go? Well, there's, there's really two main ways that God has shown himself. One is his, his word, the Bible. A letter, basically, that, that he's given us to talk about who he is and how much he loves us, what his plan is for us. And then he sent his son, Jesus. Again, Jesus' purpose on earth was to reveal the Father to the world, to us. And so the two main ways that we can get to know God is by spending time in His Word. Yeah, coming here Sunday morning is great, and Dave and Andy and Ryan and I will do our best to open this book up for you, but we can only go so far. It's by you being in this Word that you get to know God. And then by... By spending time with him, by spending time with Jesus. We call that prayer. It's, it's talking and, and hearing and listening and communicating and having fellowship. But today we, we want to focus more on, on his word. How do we get into his word and what will his word do for us as we walk with God? So it does take an initiative on our part. To, to open this book, to take time aside and sit down with this book and read it. And you know what? It's difficult. It's difficult for me. That's probably the thing I struggle with the most in my, in my you know, daily walk with God is finding that time in His Word. And I'm the pastor. 
I'm sure if it's hard for me, it's, it's hard for you. And then, who understands this? I mean, you read this sometimes and you go, huh? It's hard to understand sometimes, isn't it? But it's important. In 2 Timothy, we read this about the Bible and, and its importance. It says in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, that all Scripture, so all of God's Word, is God-breathed, inspired by Him, and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good word, work. Basically, this word is good for everything. Every aspect of your life it can speak into, and it equips us for every good work. And you know, I said in the beginning, God wants us to know Him and know His love, and I can promise you, you will not know God to the fullest extent and His love if you don't take the time to be with Him and find out about Him. It's the same It's the same in relationships. You can't really know somebody unless you take the time to spend with them. I'm finding that now here, we've been here for three months, and I'm trying to make friends. And it's tough finding that time with people, but it's it's so important. If you want to go anywhere in any relationship, you have to take time. And I'll tell you what, you will not know the full extent of God's love by me or Dave or Andy or Ryan or Soggy or anybody telling you about it. You get a glimpse of it. You might, you know, understand some, but it's always going to be secondhand. I told you when my wife started inquiring about me at Bible school, my reputation wasn't the best, but it wasn't my fault. Um, <laughs> people told her all kinds of things. I can tell you, if she would have made her decision based on what other people said about me, we wouldn't be here. <laughs> There's no way she would have dared dating me, let alone marrying me. She had to come firsthand and get to know me and let me fool her. <laughs> you know? So this is where, the, this is where the, uh, the thing breaks down. But, um, but she really got to know me. And it's the same with God. You cannot receive fully and know God fully just by us telling you about it. You have to come to Him and get to know Him and find out about Him yourself. And I'll tell you what, again... <laughs> I want to be honest here. When I take that time, when Sandrine and I have good quality time, you wouldn't believe the intimacy that flows out of that. And I'm not just talking about that one thing that all the guys think about now. But the greatest times of intimacy come out of our time, quality time spent together. And it's the same with God. You will be overwhelmed by what you will receive in your intimate times with God if we just take the time to get to know Him and allow Him to show us all the love that He has for us. So if we walk with God, we will get to know God. And this is if there's one thing you remember today, that's what I want you to remember. And all the other points that we're going to talk about here flow out of this one. Because, like I said in Hosea, what He really, really wants is that you know Him. And the fact that you're here this morning shows me you have, I don't know where you're on your journey, but you have some spiritual interest. And even if you're already walking with Him, we can never spend enough time in, in His Word. 
But the fact that you're here shows me there's some kind of interest in spiritual things, some kind of interest in knowing God. Well, if you want to go deeper with Him, pick up this book and start reading it. So if we walk with God, we will know Him. So then in, in my relationship with, with Sandrine, something interesting happens when you start spending a lot of time with a person. You know, as we started dating and I spent more and more time with her, you know what started happening? My priorities started to change. And my perspective on things started to change. Things that were really important, like watching big soccer games, all of a sudden wasn't that important. I remember one evening, Sandrine lived off campus. That's why she rode the bike off campus that one night by God's provision. Um, one night she needed to get back to the house that she was living in, and she lived in a neighborhood. There were no street lights. It was dark already, and she asked me if I could take her. But my favorite German soccer team played in the European Champions League against Madrid, Bayern Munich against Madrid. I mean, it doesn't get better than that. If you know anything about soccer, no, okay, forget about it. It's like, uh, it's like the playoffs this afternoon and your team is playing. And she asked me if I could take her home. Dude, it wasn't even... I didn't even have to think about that. Sure, I'm taking you home. And then later that night, I realized I missed the game. You know what? It wasn't so important anymore because my perspective had changed. Things that were important weren't so important anymore, and they were replaced by, by her. And her needs all of a sudden became more important than my needs until we really started seriously dating and got engaged, and then it switched back to normal. But, um, <laughs> but again... Again, now you guys know what I'm talking about. Um, and the, the women just mm, nod. Yeah. But again, the more time I spent with her, the more I got to know her, the more I fell in love with her, the more important she became over other things that were terribly important before that. And again, on a, on a much deeper level, that is true with our relationship with God. The more time we spend in His Word, funny thing happens. Our perspective starts slowly by slowly to be replaced by his perspective. And we start seeing things through his eyes rather than our eyes. Things that were really important to us before maybe lose an importance. Things that didn't seem so important before all of a sudden become important. And it's supernatural. It's something that he does in our hearts as we spend time with him. There's a great verse in Romans 12.2 that explains this a little or describes this. And it says this, Do not be conformed to this world. Well, let me read it to you. Do not, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then here's the kicker then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good and pleasing and perfect will. So first of all, if you, read, if you could leave it up for a second, I love this. It's not something that we do. It's not like I will, be, I will transform myself by the renewing of my mind. It's passive here. I'm getting a little technical teacher. It's passive. It's something that's being done to you. You're being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your mind will be new. God will renew your mind. And things will change. Have you ever known somebody in your life who started hanging with a certain crowd and all of a sudden just everything changed in that person's life? Priorities, perspectives, behavior, 
all of a sudden ir irrational decisions are being made, uh, destructive behavior is taking place. It's like there's a new person. Have you ever seen that happen in somebody around you? I have. And it's painful to watch. And isn't that why we as parents want to be so careful about who our kids spend their time with? Because the more time you spend with somebody, the more you will act like them and think like them. And that's why we love when our kids hang out with, with other kids where we see, wow, there's a positive influence there. So this, this can happen in both ways, positive and negative. And the same dynamic will take place in a positive way if we surround ourselves with positive role models. And the best role model we can surround ourselves with, the best role model we can spend time with, the best model we can spend time with is God and the Lord Jesus. And we can do that by spending time in His Word. It will transform us. And you will be surprised by, by how your perspective changes, how your values change. And could you think of a better perspective than the one of an all-knowing, all-powerful God who created you? I love getting Sandrine's perspective on things. And that's part of our relationship. Oh boy, I love God's perspective a whole lot better. And that's what He wants to give us. So if we walk with God, we will know Him. And out of knowing Him better, we will start to get His perspective on things. So knowing Sandrine now that we've been married for quite a few years and knowing her unconditional love for me. And you know what? If I know one thing about my wife, I know that no matter what, she loves me unconditionally. I know that she will always be faithful to me. And knowing that, knowing how unconditionally she loves me and how secure that makes me in our relationship, it changes the way I act. It changes the decisions I make based on her. It leads me to, to not just consider and appreciate her perspective, but her input in everything. Her and I decide together. It's not me that says, I'm taking that job at K2. Boy, she wasn't for that at first. I want to tell you that. But as we talked and prayed about it, and she had a yes for it, we had a yes for it. Knowing her, knowing her wisdom and knowing her love for me changes the way I live my life. And again, if that is true for my marriage relationship, and by the way, God gave us marriage as a, as a picture, as a, a shadow of what our relationship with God is supposed to look like. That's why Jesus is called the bridegroom and we as his followers, the bride. Knowing God's love for me, knowing his unconditional love and his forgiveness for me leads me to bring him into all decisions in my life. It leads to bringing him in as my, as my guide and my, my decision maker in life. And don't we all, us, everybody out there want to know how to do life better? Have you looked at a, you know, do this, go to Barnes & Noble this afternoon, have a coffee, and go to the life help section. You know, all the, the books to, to help you do things better, the self-help section, it is huge. You wouldn't believe all the dummy books for everything. 
I mean, they want to help you with everything. And everybody, we buy this stuff. I just bought one to know how to work my Quicken software. It's not working, but, but we all want to know how to do things better, how to make better life decisions. There's a huge industry out there about life coaches and how to help you turn your life around and, and you know, how to get a job and how to, how to do life better. Well, you know what? That's what God wants to do for us. I'm not saying these books aren't good. <laughs> Probably need another one for Quicken, but God wants to be our guide. In a sense, this is the manual <laughs> that we came with, that the, the one who created us he gave us and said, hey, read this. This is, this is how it's supposed to work. Second Peter describes this beautifully. Second Peter verse one, uh, chapter 1, verse 3. Love this verse. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Through what? What does it say? Through our knowledge of Him. Again, it comes back to knowing Him. Knowing Him gives us divine power for everything we need. Everything for life and everything for godliness. He's provided everything we need to master life. He's equipped us with the tools that we need in His Word and in His Spirit. Have you ever tried to put together an Ikea piece of furniture without the right equipment? You know, we moved into a house, plenty of Ikea furniture, right, Alan? <laughs> it is maddening. <laughs> My father was a, was a pastor, too. And very godly man. The only times I've heard him swearing was putting together IKEA furniture. <laughs> um, and uh, ditto to that. I'm, I don't know. So my wife isn't here. I think otherwise she'd be yelling, "Amen!" Yikes! I'm glad that uh, Dave Nelson hasn't put mics in my house because I think I would have been fired before giving my first sermon, based on my conduct during uh, furniture assembly. It's the most. <laughs> frustrating thing, is it not? If you want to do something and you don't have the right stuff to do it. And you know what? For the longest time in my walk with God, frustrated was the word to describe it. Nothing but frustration. Because I wanted to, but I couldn't. I couldn't. Literally couldn't. I honestly had the desire. I said, God, I want to follow you. I see my father. I see your reality in his life. I see my youth pastor. I see your reality in his life, and I want that. I can't do it. I was so frustrated that I enrolled in a short-term six-month Bible school and, and literally said, God, I give you these six months to show me how to do it. And if it doesn't work, if I can't figure it out, even though I know you're real, I'm going to walk away because I'm turning schizophrenic. <laughs> But don't worry, we're okay today. Um, and during those six months is when I started to understand that he's already given me everything, that I just hadn't taken a hold of it, that I hadn't taken the time to read his word and to appropriate the love that he had for me and the tools that he had for me in knowing him. And it turned my spiritual walk upside down. It lifted a burden of guilt that immediately I knew, God, I want to go into ministry. And I want other people to know it doesn't have to be like this. 
He has given us everything he needs. His divine power has given us everything we need for this life and to live this life godly with him. So by walking with God, we will know him. Remember that? We will know him. We will get his perspective, and he will show us how to do this life because he will do it with us. So Sandrine and I have been married for 13 years now. Yes, woo In November, 13 years. Can't believe it feels like 30. <laughs> no. Um, but the, more, the longer we're married, and I'm sure those of you that have been married for a while, and maybe even, even in friendships. I had a really close friend all my life growing up that we had this whole this dynamic going on. The more time we spend, the longer we're married, the more we turn into each other. <laughs> Have you noticed? That even happens with people that have dogs. You know, the longer they have them, they kind of turn, look like each other. You know, have you seen that? We, we noticed that we, when, you know, when we first started dating, boy, we had the most hardcore arguments about theology. You know, we met at a Bible college, so you discuss theology while you're dating. It's kind of boring, but we, uh, oh man, we had hardcore disagreements about theology and child raising and what life should be like and where we should be. And, and the longer we're married we realize we're, we're like, we're sinking. We're sinking. We're, you know, we think the same today about theology. Most, most things, what we, what we believe and how we believe and how we, we live that out, uh, politics, um, child raising, another one, or even our taste, you know, when we picked out furniture and colors and what we like, it's like, oh yeah, yeah, this, oh yeah. It's like we're becoming one. It's kind of weird. I think I've read that somewhere about becoming one, but even in areas where we used to strongly disagree, we, we kind of melt into each other. And it's not as boring as it sounds. And in certain situations, we find ourselves, we just need to look at each other and kind of, and we know what each other is, is thinking about what's going on at the time. It's really cool. It's really interesting. But it comes out of the time that we spend together. It comes out of, again, knowing each other. So here's the question that I asked myself in thinking through this. Um, do I spend enough time with God in His Word to where this is taking place? Where I'm thinking His thoughts, where I'm finishing His sentences, kind <laughs> of, you know? Am I spending enough time with Him where we're so in sync that I start thinking like Him, where I start acting like him, where I start looking like him. Because that will happen. The more, we, more time we spend with him, that is and should take place. And something really sad struck me as I was thinking about that. I was thinking about what have I mostly been talking about recently. Because what we talk about is what we spend a lot of time on. And this might hit a spot with many of you right now. You know what I realized? My talk recently has been a lot about football. I've spent a significant amount of time recently watching college football and pro football, and I, I just can't get enough. And you know what? That's what I find myself talking about all the time. I found myself recently looking and sounding more like Lou Holtz and John Madden than, uh, than Jesus. And don't get me wrong, it's not about a guilt trip, football's awesome. And it's great. It's awesome to enjoy that. 
The Vikings, I don't know about those, buddy, but um, I'm a Panthers guy myself. But, oh, here we go again, see? Where we spend our time, whatever we do spending our time a lot with, bad grammar, but it will show, it will reflect, it will flow out of our conversations because it's what preoccupies us. And again, I love football, and I love to talk to you about it afterwards, but go Utes. But, um, <laughs> but what do I really want to look like? What do I want dominating my mind? Do I really want to look and sound like Lou Holtz? <laughs> no. But I do want to look and sound and act more like Jesus. And that will only come if I spend time in this word. Colossians 3 verse 10 says, Each of you is now a new person. If you, if you start walking with Christ, this applies to you. Each of you is now a new person. You are becoming more and more like your creator. I think that's the NVC translation. Each of you is now a new person. You're becoming more and more like your creator. Wow. That's who I want to become like. Many of you have maybe heard this quote by Mahatma Gandhi. He says, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. That's a dagger. Directly contrary to what we read here in Colossians. Why then would it say that? Why would it say you're a new person, you're becoming more and more like your creator, but others don't see it? You know why that is? It's because we're more concerned with church attendance than we are with knowing God. We're more concerned with traditions and going through the motions than spending time in His Word and really knowing Him. Because then that will happen. If we spend time with Him, we will start looking like Him. And that's what will draw people in, the reality of Jesus in our lives. So if we walk with God, we will know Him. We will start to get His perspective. We will learn how to do this life His way. And we will become more and more like Christ. The band can come up here as I, as I close. You know, I want all of that. I want to know him. I want to get his perspective. I want to know how to do this life better. I want to become more like Christ. But it isn't going to happen just by showing up here on Sunday morning. It just isn't. We always say it's not about what you do and what you do, and it isn't. But you know what? You will not know him unless you take the initiative and spend time in God's word. Sometimes we call that quiet time. <laughs> Get so quiet because you fall asleep. <clears throat> you know, it doesn't have to be at four in the morning. That's not the most spiritual time to do it. It doesn't even have to be with the lights out in your living room where you have to fall asleep. <laughs> you know what I found? I found that God uses the passions that he's given us to also often be the way that he connects with us. And I know you can't tell by looking at me, but I used to be really athletic, and I, I still like working out and running once in a while. And I have found 
about a year ago, I started training for a marathon. That didn't work out great. But as I started, as I was running and talking to God, I had the greatest intimate times with God where I really felt I heard from Him and I could pour out my heart and wow, we were really having fellowship. And for others, it might be music or it might be different art. And whatever it is, find it. Find it and connect with God. And then there is a time where we just have to develop the discipline of being in His Word. That doesn't work well while you're running. (laughs) But hey, we have it on MP3. You can get God's Word on MP3. You can listen to it in the car. You can listen to it while you're running, while you're doing all kinds of things. Get in His Word. Do whatever it takes because you will know Him and you will be overwhelmed by the love that you will receive from Him and you will be amazed by what you have to offer to others. And some of you might say, you know, I don't have a seminary degree. I don't even know how to read this book. You know, you don't need a seminary degree. That's the good news. You don't even need to have gone to Bible college. There's all kinds of things available. We have, for example, these soap journals. We, we sell them out uh, at the booth, at the info table. It's just a little tool to help you get into God's words. We have small groups that use this soap method. It talks about scripture. Um, o is for observations. P is for prayer. Uh, no, miss the A, application and prayer. And so you just kind of journal. You read, you read a verse. You write down what that does, what, what that does in your mind and in your heart. You write down your, your, how you're going to try and, and put that into practice. And like I said, we have small groups that, that go through this SOAP method. It's just a really effective way to just start getting into God's words and draw out nuggets um, that will help you get, know, get to know God better. And if, if that's something that you're interested in, if you want to know how to get into God's word better and how to, how to yeah, just have effective time in God's word, Go out to the Life Together table. You can sign up for, for Life Together groups, for soap groups. Um, we have the little tear-outs in our, in our bulletin. If you're interested in getting into a soap group or just knowing more about how to get into God's Word, put it down there, put your contact email or phone number, and we will get in touch with you because there's nothing that we desire more for you this year and, and for us, for me, and for us to get into God's word. Thank you.